This morning, we're wrapping up our series, uh, uh, Watch Your Mouth. It's uh, going to wrap up here this morning. And uh, this message was originally going to be toward the front end, a little bit of an unpacking for the series. Uh, but I've kind of changed it up a little bit where it's going to be a little more of a, all right, let's wrap the series up. And I, I want you to know now, I want you to be preparing your heart in advance. Uh, I want to lay down a, a mouth challenge for each of us for the remainder of the summer. Not that when summer's over, go, go back to whatever, but what I mean is to be really intentional over this next bunch of weeks. You know, uh, fall doesn't start till like the third week in September, so we have still a, a, a really good portion of time just to uh, look to the Lord and allow Him to speak some things uh, about our mouths. So uh, just going to look at three key truths. If you have notes, if you like following along with the notes, I'll make sure that I give you the fill-ins. They're going to be the, the main points that we want to drive home here today. Uh, so let, let's get right into it. The first truth that we're going to look at is that the mouth is the great revealer. Right? Whether, whether we like it or not, you know, as long as we keep our mouths closed, we can keep the other person guessing. And then when we open it up, there is clarity, good, bad, or ugly, whatever it is, right? So our mouth is the great revealer. Now, with this truth, let's, let's acknowledge a couple of things about it being the great revealer. First of all, uh, the mouth will reveal what's going on inside us. Right? So oftentimes it's, it's revealing what we're, what we're thinking, what we're dealing with. And, and you know, uh, we're, we're going to look at some scriptures here to see that sometimes that's not cut and dry. Uh, sometimes that's um, uh, uh, mixed up. Sometimes, again, there's some good, there's some bad, there's some ugly. Uh, let's take a look here in, in Matthew 15, verses 10 and 11. It says, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of the mouth, that's what defiles them. So when we talk about words, when we talk about our, our mouth, uh, as we continue to, to work through this and tie up, you know, the messages from the last several weeks, we really want to have a, a very sober picture of God's perspective as it relates to our mouths. Uh, Luke 6, 45 says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Luke 6.45 in the New King James, good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and evil man out of the evil, evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil, for out of the abundance of the heart. I love that, the, you know, what the heart is full of, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And we can look to Jeremiah 9. It says, the tongue is a deadly arrow. It speaks deceitfully. Interesting what it says here. With their mouths, they all speak cordially to their neighbors, but in their heart, they set a trap for them. So whether it's our mouth leaking out what's going on in our heart or whether it's the person trying to uh, distract what's going on by giving a different picture, you, you know, it, it is the great revealer. Uh, another thought on, on that idea is that we can be double-minded, can't we? 
right? We can be double-minded, you know, sometimes, you know, we're in the, the right place, sometimes we're in the wrong place, you know, uh, but it's, it's uh, something where the Word of God tells us double-mindedness is, is not healthy for us, that we're unstable in all our ways uh, when, when we're in double-mindedness, so we want to get out of that. But I want to take a look at James chapter 3. Uh, and uh, verses 1 to 12, so a little more lengthy of a portion here, and I want to make some comments along the way because, again, this talks a lot uh, about, uh, you, you know, either double-mindedness or what happens on the inside of us uh, and, and as the words come out of our mouths. So let's start with verse 1. It says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. That's encouraging word for the, for the teacher. You, you know, it's a, that's a sobering thought, you know. And, and again, the Lord is speaking to this idea, we're held accountable and our words have results. There's things that get sown when words are spoken. And so we want to be uh, reverencing God and, and aware of what we're saying. It goes on in verse 2, we all stumble in many ways, but anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Now, doesn't mean perfect without any fault, right? But what it means, uh, actually, uh, the, the word perfect there is talking more about being complete, you know, mature, really grown up, having all the pieces together. That's what it's speaking of when it talks about being perfect. And it says, uh, anyone who is not at fault in what they say is able to keep their whole body in check. So, wow, the word is really unpacking for us here. Wow, the, you, you know, our mouths, our words, our tongue, uh, boy, it, it affects so much. Uh, going on to the next verse, when we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example, although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants it to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Wow, doesn't doesn't get a whole lot stronger than that, does it? You know, really giving us this this sobering picture, and yet yet realize what we looked at here before the the person who you, you know is is um, governing their mouth, and, and we'll talk about what that looks like and how that happens. You, you, you know, wow, that that person they're mature, they're complete. What what a great picture. We go on to verse seven here. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. I, I was uh, I, I saw a headline of a story uh, that I had read, and I thought I, I got to go back and get the detail on this. And so I saw a little little YouTube on this. There's a there's a fella named Arnold, who's a fisherman in Australia. And so he's going out and he's checking his nets because they have these nets lined up so that really large marine animals can't get to the shore where, where people are swimming and that kind of a thing. And so Albert goes to check his nets and uh, caught in his net is uh, an over 18 foot long great white shark. You know, and, and I don't know about you, but I think I would have been like, I am so sorry for you and just kept driving my boat. You know, but something about that, he had the courage. He freed the shark from the net. And, and a really interesting thing happened. 
the shark was so grateful that it followed his boat out to where he was going. And just, you know, as if to say, hey, thanks, you really got me out of a, of a bind. But, but the story doesn't stop there. You know, wish we could talk to the shark and ask what it is. I don't know if it's the sound of the motor, the look of the boat from the water, whatever it is. But that shark recognizes Arnold every time he drives his boat out and the shark comes alongside the boat to hang out with Arnold. So he named the shark Cindy. It was an 18-foot-long female great white shark. And he got to the point where the shark would come up alongside the boat. Uh, he, he could pet its little nose by its razor-sharp teeth. I mean, it would sound like something out of a cartoon. It would flap its fins. It would bob. He could actually rub the shark's belly. I thought to myself, wow, like, like I don't know. That's a pretty unique scenario. That, that's, I mean, that gives somebody bragging rights, you know. It's like a dog whisperer, a great white shark whisperer, you know. And, and, and it was kind of funny. He said, you know, this, this would be a really, really great story, except for the downside to this is the shark scares all the fish away. And I'm a fisherman. You know, so I don't know if he's looking for a new vocation as we speak or whatever, but what an amazing story. Truly, you know, think about that in context of what we just read. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. It goes on to say, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? No is the assumed answer there. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So, so much is packed into that portion there, but we see, all right, so the Lord is telling us our words is a big deal and, and what we do with our mouths, it's a big deal and it's even beyond us to, to try to bring it to a place of obedience to the Lordship of Christ. It's beyond the natural person to truly tame their tongue. So let's talk now. If we understand the mouth is the great revealer of what's going on on the inside. Let's now talk about uh, how we handle this and how, the, how we walk this out. As Christ followers, we need to train our mouths. So we're not going to be able to tame it in and of ourselves. This is not something where the Lord says, go do this and then come back. The Lord is saying, there's things I want you to do and I'll work with you. And the work of my spirit in your life will do the work with your mouth so that you become complete in Christ Jesus. Amen? So when we look at, there's a lot of different reasons that we gather as a church community as we come together like this. But one of the important reasons that God has us gather and get under the word is because the Lord wants us to grow to a place of maturity. I heard somebody say one time, I've heard it said that age and maturity travel together. He said, I have observed that sometimes age travels alone. Isn't that true, right? You know, so maturity isn't a chronological thing. It's as we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling. So how do we do that? As Christ followers, we need to train our mouths. So again, let, let's look at some thoughts on how we do that. With the Lord, we need to weed our thoughts. The start of uh, spring this year, 
I thought I'm really going to get it out in front of the weeds that, that you know, come along the, the cracks along my house and the driveway. And, and I thought, you know, remember last year I, I kind of got behind on it and I was kind of chasing it, you know, through the summer. So uh, that was my plan. And I, and I did start off on the good foot. But then, you know, with us, you know, working through all the health stuff and everything, uh, it got behind and it just got to the point where I thought I better get out there. And then that's when I was dealing with my stuff. So I, I just took a look yesterday and I was like the, you know, the, the, the earth is trying to reclaim my house, you know, like not pulling up weeds. We're getting to larger implements to, you know, cut these weeds down, right? Because how many know you leave a weed for a little while, it starts to grow. It starts to get roots. It starts to get big. Sometimes it looks like a, a, a weed, but after a while, it's a tree, you know, and, and it's that much more intense. So with the Lord, because again, we're not going to tame our mouth, but the Lord is going to do the work in us. With the Lord, we need to weed our thoughts. And we've heard the verse, right, of the, the greatest commandment, love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, here it is in the Amplified. It says, and you shall love the Lord your God out of and with your whole heart and out of and with all your soul, that's your life, and out of and with all your mind, that is with your faculty of thought and your moral understanding. So this idea of loving him with all of our mind, all of our thought life, we're, we're, as we love him, we're to be pulling weeds out of our thinking, wrong mindsets, wrong attitudes, wrong thinking, pulling those weeds up. That's loving God with all of our mind. Uh, and it says, and then with all your strength, this is the first and greatest, uh, the first and principal commandment. And then a great prayer that we can pray, you, you know, to weed our thoughts with the Lord is Psalm 139, 23. Search me thoroughly, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, right? Just giving the Lord the room. Lord, show me what I'm justifying. Show me what's in my blind spot. Show me what I am so used to that I've forgotten this isn't part of how you think or how you want me to think. Come on, can somebody say amen? Right when the Lord puts his finger on something and we're saying, oh my goodness, wow, I, I just, I wasn't connecting. This has been in plain sight, but I wasn't connecting. God doesn't want this. You know, so, so we allow the Lord to do weeding. And then what that means is then, number two, we need to confess and repent of what's not of him. You know, so, so now there's, there's a work to this weeding process, right? We realize there's something in our thinking, in our attitude, in our, our paradigm that's not of God. And, and we, we recognize it. We call it out, Lord, this is not of you. This is not your thought, your way. So, Lord, I just repent of that. I confess it. I get rid of it. And, Lord, I say I'm moving in line with you. Can you say amen? amen. Proverbs 14, 14. How many know uh, this might sound kind of extreme, but it's absolutely true. There is no coasting or going in neutral in our walk with God, right? We're either moving forward or we're going backward. There is no, I'm just at a standstill. So Proverbs 14, 14, talking about when we backslide in heart, it says the backslider in heart that is from God and from fearing God. So what does backsliding look like? We start to distance from him and we distance from reverencing him, him having that proper place in our lives. Uh, that, that person, when they backslide in heart, they'll be filled with the fruit of their own ways. 
Those are those weeds that come up. And, and if we backslide in heart, those weeds start to get ground uh, rather than getting uh, pulled up and rooted up. Uh, but it says, a good man shall be satisfied with the fruit of his ways, with the holy thoughts and actions which his heart prompts and in which he delights. Right? Doesn't the word tell us to take every thought and bring it into captivity to the lordship of Jesus Christ? That's, that's the weeding process we're talking about. You know, maybe I'm driving down the road and I'm thinking about somebody in, in the way they interacted with me and, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of dwelling on it. And I didn't like that. That wasn't cool. What's up with them? And now, now my, my thought life, I'm, I'm drop, there's weeds in my thinking, weed seeds that I'm dropping in my thinking. You know, and I just let that go and let that go. What we're talking about here is to recognize it in the Lord. Hopefully, Holy Spirit is saying, this is not me. Don't keep going down this road. It's where we stop and say, you know what, Lord, I repent. I forgive them in Jesus' name. I choose not to be offended. I'm laying that not to their charge. I thank you, Lord, that I love your mercy. So, Lord, I just release mercy in Jesus' name. Right? We confess, we repent, you know, and then we are bringing our thoughts, holy thoughts and actions uh, in, in line with, with God's ways. In Isaiah 55, 7, it says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord, and he, the Lord, will have love, pity, and mercy for him. And to our God, in other words, return to our God, he will multiply to him his abundant pardon. So, you know, when, when we're missing the mark, when we're off, when we're allowing wrong thinking uh, to be in our thoughts, because remember, what's wrong in our thoughts is eventually going to start coming out of our mouth. You know, this is, this is a discipleship message, but church, I would say this is not an ABC's message. This is not um, discipleship 101. We're talking this morning, this is like discipleship 401, you know, like, like right before graduate level. Because what, what we're looking at is, Lord, if I really want to be complete in you, I really have to have your perspective on how all this stuff fits together. You know, in, in our homes, in our family relationships, marriages, you know, in, in work relationships. How many know the place that it's most challenging to live our faith out is with those that we do the most life with, those that we spend the most time with, right? That's the place where uh, the Lord can really, really be working our salvation out, you know, because we can start to find ourselves, you know, allowing attitudes, that become weeds, allowing thoughts, allowing perceptions that start to become weeds, that if we are aware of those things and we bring them to the Lord, man, he's just going to show us right away. This is not of me. This is the enemy looking to energize, right? What does the enemy look to do? To steal, to kill, to destroy, right? So if he can get a wedge in there, if he can get, you, you know, I heard somebody say one time, you, you know, uh, oftentimes when, when uh, things start going sour, like let's just talk about marriage uh, for a minute here. When things start going sour, you can usually trace back to the point where you stopped looking at that person from a friend perspective and started looking at it, I won't say enemy, that's maybe too strong of a word, from an adversary perspective. When did they go from friend and cherished into an adversary, right? That, that's the work of the enemy, you know, and, and we have to live on purpose to stand against that. So literally to get to the point where I say, no, uh, in the name of Jesus, I renounce that thought. That's not of God. That's not God's way. And then usually a great confession when we're repenting is then to put it in God's perspective, you know, and, and lay it out that way. 
Tracking so far? Can you say amen? amen. All right. Amen. Romans 8, 7 uh, says, the, because the mind of the flesh with its carnal thoughts and purposes is hostile to God. For it does not submit itself to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. So we got to realize, right, when, when we invite Christ into our heart to be Lord and Savior of our lives, Holy Spirit dwells on the inside. We become born again. We become brand new. We're alive to God. We're going to live forever with God. But we have this flesh nature that the Word of God tells us we have to crucify daily. And then, so then we look at the tongue, the mouth, the words that we speak. We have to make sure that we are having that be in alignment with the born again, the real us, and not in alignment with that flesh that we are to crucify, that flesh that we're to say no to. I'm preaching better than your amen. And can I just say, come on. Amen. Help me out here. Amen. All right, the next thing here then, so, so we're, uh, you know, working through this process. We're confessing. We're repenting. We're, we're weeding out thoughts with God. And then not only are we pulling out the weeds, but then the next thought here, we need to abundantly sow, abundantly sow his word, his principles, his precepts, and his ways in our lives. So let's just pause there for a minute and let, let's just take a little bit of an inventory right now, right? There is so much that's going on in our world and there is so much that's changing in our world. Let's look at the inputs into our ears, uh, into our eyes, and then let's look at where is the focus of our thinking, where is it landing? You know, if we, let's say we spend 15 minutes reading the Word in the morning, that's awesome. That is good. That's important. We're always talking about keeping the Word in our lives. But if then, if that's not what we meditate on and what we dwell on and we continue to think about throughout the day, if instead we're thinking about what they're saying on the news, we're thinking about the conversation by the water cooler, uh, how many know even with all of that stuff gone, we have all the conversation that goes on in here. Right, that we have to, you know, deal with and, and constantly be looking and asking, Lord, am I bringing this in, in line, what we just read before, holy thoughts, you know, in line with your way? Or are there things that I need to take captive and bring into obedience to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? So, so get the analogy, uh, you, you know, see, see the picture. If I was to take a, a seed spreader, you know, one of those things on wheels where you just dump a whole bag of seed in, what if I was to just take weed seeds and just dump it into that spreader and then just, just walk that thing up and down my lawn, but every now and then reach into my, my little, you know, uh, apron thing, whatever I got on now, you decide, whatever it is, you know, and I reach in and I just grab a handful of seeds and this is the word of God, you know, and I got this spreader and there's just thousands of weeds going into my lawn and every now and then I chuck a handful of seeds, you know, like what, what difference is that going to make in my ability to see things from God's perspective, to really walk it out God's way, right? So we don't want to stick our head in the sand. We don't want to be, um, you, you know, in a bubble, you know, disconnected with the world, but it does as well to really look at, and remember, even things like the shows we watch, the music we listen to, there's philosophies, there's mindsets, there's ideologies, there's worldviews, there's paradigms, and all of that stuff, and more than ever before, we have to realize our culture has, does not have its foundation in Judeo-Christian value and perspective, Old and New Testament. So if that is just bombarding us all day long, 
And that's what's getting spread into that garden of our mind, this picture we're, we're, we're painting. But we say, well, I go to church on Sunday and we throw some seed out. And well, I go on Wednesday and throw some seed out. And hey, do a little quiet time, put a little, little pinches there. You, you know, it's, it, it's not going to make the difference unless what's going on in here uh, is, is being shaped by God. Amen. Amen. So that's why we say we have to abundantly sow his word, his principles, his ways, his precepts. And again, this is a verse that I, I just love. I go back to over and over again because I need to remind, I use this as a filter. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things chew on these things, right? Where it says, think about, right? Chew on these things. And then Hebrews 4.12, and again, we've heard this probably bunches, most of us, so I put this in the Amplified, again, because it's just so many great nuances. For the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, that's our soul, and the immortal spirit, and of joints in marrow. So that's saying of the deepest parts of our, uh, of our nature. Wow, the word of God goes down to the deepest parts of our nature. Man, if that doesn't give us like a fresh hunger, man, I want to dig in your word, God, because it, it works to the deepest places in my heart and life. And then look, look what it goes on to say, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. Man, we get the Word of God in our lives, the living Word of God, and we give it that kind of room, it's going to take care of all of this, right? You see how we, we will mature on the Word of God. We will grow in the Word of God, and as it's all getting worked out in here, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, so yes, we can be double-minded. Yes, we can be having days where, you know, we're like, all right, I'm not walking in the spirit. I'm walking in the flesh. But man, those squeeze times where the squeeze comes, it always shows us. It's always a mirror. It always shows us what's going on in our life. It is the revealer. And oftentimes, sometimes we can just see by the expression on someone's face, can't we? Right? Before, before it comes out of the mouth, you know, sometimes you just, you, you, you know, run into somebody. There's been times we've been going down, you know, the shop right and, you know, maybe my basket's been in somebody's way and they don't have to say their words. Because, I mean, their face said it all. Like, what am I doing on their planet, you know, kind of a thing, right? You know, but so, so that can be an indicator, but it's really the words. And here's the thing, uh, a, a, a look can be obnoxious, but words can stick with people for the rest of their lives. Amen. 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 Last part of this, uh, th this idea of, of weeding our thoughts here, uh, we need to embrace then a lifestyle of faith. So all of these things that we're talking about then need to be brought into a perspective, just, just a, a fresh reminder to stir our hearts here today that we are to walk by faith and not by sight. You know, so, so we see things going on in the world around us, but then as we recognize and understand God's perspective, we have to make the decision to say, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to take him at his word. And he's going to have to come in and move these circumstances to line up with what he said. But the way God brings that to pass in our lives is not by our need. It's by our faith. 
right? The need won't be what moves God's work into our lives. It's when we believe him, take him at his word. So again, if you're following along in the notes, we need to align our thoughts, words, and actions with faith in God. We, we walk by faith, and these, these verses lay that out. We live by faith, not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Romans 4, 20 to 22, talking about Abraham, says he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore it was counted to Abraham as righteousness because he believed that God would do what God said he would do. In Romans 4, 11, uh, as it is written again to Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Another translation says calling things that be not as though they were. And church, how many know that's the faith walk? Right? Somebody's, you know, experiencing life circumstances and there's tremendous anxiety that they are wrestling with on the inside. Trouble sleeping, not, not, not holding peace, not having peace. But yet God has said that Jesus is the Prince of Peace and that he is the one who gives us a peace that passes understanding. Amen. Amen. So what do we do? So we, we look at that circumstance, that person would look at that circumstance and say, even though I am feeling anxious, even though I didn't sleep well last night, I am calling things that be not peace, comfort, sweet sleep as though they were. I believe because God said, and then that releases God's power into the situation to say, all right, circumstances line up with my promise. Now, in our microwave society, it's not a flip of a switch. Sometimes it's the good fight of faith where you just got to keep saying, well, I'm not moved by what I see. Well, I'm not moved by what I feel. I know early on in my walk with God, certain areas that were so stubborn, areas with my mouth. Uh, you know, I got saved at 19, so I learned a lot of colorful words that are not becoming of a believer, you know? And then there'd be times where those words would fly out of my face. And, and, and learning about faith and growing in Christ and walking after the Spirit early on, the first thing I would do when that would happen is I would say, see, you're no good. See, you're, you're, not, you're, you're not living it. You're not walking it, you know. And that was the enemy bringing condemnation. Then I, I learned how I'm supposed to walk this out. And then I would say, Lord, please forgive me for that. But Lord, I thank you. That's not who I am. That's who I was. And Lord, I thank you that, that you have made me the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So Lord, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I just said. Amen. I'm moved by your word. And so that's this, this picture of, so we have to live by faith. And Paul did say, it's the fight of faith. It's the only fight that we're called to fight as far as um, spiritual battles, right? The Lord fights our battles. The fight that we fight is the fight of faith to believe him. Uh, let's see, a couple others. Uh, Mark uh, eleven twenty four. 24. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received. So whatever we ask, so, so we believe, as long as we have his word, that means we have his will, and he says, dare to believe me. And then 2 Corinthians 4, 13, it is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. 
And since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. All right, coming in for a landing here on this last point. So a lot of what we've been talking about up to this point has tons to do with our own, uh, you know, walk with the Lord personally. I want to bring the picture out now and look at talking about others. So our third truth we're going to look at today is when it comes to others, especially believers, we need to purpose ourselves to speak life and not death, right? Realizing that our words have power, right? Life and death is in the power of the tongue. So we want to make sure that we speak life and not death. If we look at Ephesians 4.29, it says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So, you know, I'm thinking about the mouth challenge. I wonder for some of us, if we take the mouth challenge, we're going to walk into a conversation. We're going to go, you know, and get on to the next one and be like, you know, that'd be beautiful. That'd be so wonderful because we would be finding ourselves aware of the things that we're saying, what's coming out of our mouth. And I want to be clear here, you know, to, to speak life doesn't mean that we don't say hard things. To speak life doesn't mean we don't make waves. You know, as a matter of fact, you know, what we see here, uh, speaking only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Sometimes folks don't realize the need they have. Sometimes they're not welcoming the input. So what is the prerequisite? What's the filter that we use to decide when do I open my mouth? When don't I open my mouth? Well, it comes down to, we just saw right here. If it's from love, if it's building them up, if it's to encourage them into everything God has called them to be, man, we're right on track. It could be, listen, it could be the very same news. It could be 100% true. But if my motive is somebody needs to cut you down a notch, and I think that's going to be me. Now, I've, I've not done here. That, that truth that they actually need, how many realize that becomes unwholesome talk coming out of my mouth, right? So, so what's the filter that we use? You know, love is always what is the other person's highest good. That is, that, that is such a great way to navigate, especially, you know, this message is a discipleship message. It's not a engaging the culture message specifically, but that sure can help us on how do we engage in times where there's so much frustration and, and you know, unsettledness in, in our world all around us. So great verse for us to, to hold on to. Ephesians 5.19 says, we're to be speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Wouldn't that be cool if we started singing psalms to each other? I think if I started singing psalms to some of you, you'd be like, speak them, brother. Speak them. Don't sing them. Don't sing them. I just love the idea of there being such a, such a, a fullness of the Spirit and walking after the Spirit that it almost bubbles out as song that, that, that we're, we're, we're singing to people around us. And, and doesn't that give such a great, that's another great filter, what I'm about to say, can I sing this to this person? You know, I don't know, maybe you could. You're being a jerk. You're getting on my nerves, you know. I think, I think we'd see right away whether or not we're supposed to, you know, move in, move in that vein. But let me go back and forth on, you know, some what to say as far as speaking life and some what not to say as far as speaking death. So now here's Galatians 5.15. If you bite and devour each other, watch out 
or you will be destroyed by each other. Again, this is written to the church, church biting and devouring each other. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. And I just think to love covers a multitude of sins. And again, that, you know, let me be clear, that doesn't mean we don't say the hard thing, doesn't mean that we don't hold people accountable, doesn't mean we become a doormat or anything like that. But oh, God's church walking in the spirit covered in love will allow people to not become chained to their errors now and from the past. It allows them to be unchained from those things to become what Jesus has called them to be. Right? We, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to treat people, well, that's the way they were. I'm sure that's going to be the way they are now. You know, we, we want to live in a way of, Lord, you're Lord of their life. I know you're at work. I know you've called them to be more. So I'm going to get an agreement with your will for their life rather than what the accuser is saying about that person. Come on, can you say amen? That, 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 you talk about changing the world around us, what we sow into the world around us. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. I got to tell you, there are so many people around this place, man, you, you got the lick on building people up. Just pours out of you, you know? Come on, how many of you have been around somebody where you're just like, man, I feel built up just from having a conversation with them. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? Oh, that, that, is, that is something that we all want to aspire to. Colossians 3.9, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. So I just want to point that out. Taking off the old self and its practices. This picture of we can't tame our tongue, but the Lord can. That maturity process is, is the ultimate picture of putting off that old self so that we can walk in the, the, the fullness of who God has called us to be. Ephesians 4.15, instead speak the truth in love and we will grow to become in every respect. I got to say this again because this is so good. Speak the truth in love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. <sighs> to grow up in him, to be this mature representation of him, right? Oh, glory to God. Well, hey, as we come in for, uh, you, you know, a closing here, coming in for, for a landing, uh, I, I want to bring us back to this, this mouth challenge. Is there anybody here this morning where God has stirred your heart, where you would say, you know what, as I, as I take some inventory, I, I, I think if I was a little bit intentional, think God could do some great things in my speech, in what I say, in my thought life. So a couple of things to take away. Uh, if you don't yet know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, I'm going to lead us in a very, very simple prayer of invitation to invite him to be Lord of our lives. That's where it all starts. Because again, it's not, it's not following religious things that God said. It's entering into relationship with him because of what Jesus has done for us, right? So we invite uh, Christ to be Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit dwells in our heart by faith. So I'll lead us in just a minute. Maybe there's some here today where you're like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm distanced from God. I need to declare today 
he is Lord over everything. You pray that out as well. Um, as a matter of fact, you know what? Let's just take time and let's do that now. Just around the room. Why don't we close our eyes, bow our heads. If there's anybody here and you're saying, you know what? Maybe you've been uh, checking out Grace and Peace. Maybe you've been, you know, around for a season of time. And if you've, you've not yet taken that step to say, I'm inviting Jesus to be Lord of my life. You know, you, you can walk out here today saying, I know that I know. You know, this day I have invited Jesus to be Lord and Savior. And, and remember, it's by faith. We don't earn it. It's, we, don't, we don't try to do works. We don't maneuver to get to a place where he'll accept us. That's the, that's the whole point. That, that's the whole gospel message. We can't earn it. But he loved us so much that if we will receive him, if we will believe and trust in faith, that he will wash away our sin live in our heart, be Lord of our lives, and our eternity with him will be set. So if you're here and, and you haven't done that yet, let's just make July 17 the greatest day of your life. The day where you got before your maker and secured your eternity with him because he loves you. Maybe there's others, again, that you're here and you're saying, no, I've done that before, but man, I'm not right. I got to get it right with him. So again, I'm just going to lead us in a simple prayer and you just pray this out with me, pray this in faith uh, and he will hear you and uh, he will respond to your, to your prayer of faith, to your inviting him in. So let, let's pray this together. Dear Jesus, I do believe that you are the son of God, that you died on the cross and you rose from the dead for my sin and for the sin of all the world. And I recognize today that I need you. I need you to be Lord. I need you to be Savior. And so I confess my sin. Please forgive me. Please wash it away. Come live in my heart and lead me every day of my life. Amen. 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 Bless the Lord. I always, I always get so encouraged whenever uh, there, there's a time where people pray uh, to get right with, with the Lord because, you know, it tells us in the Bible that when one person, one person gets right with God, that all of heaven erupts in celebration. Isn't that so cool? I mean, all these years, and I just never get tired of that, that how many billion people on the planet now, and there's people in Tom's River, New Jersey, that just set heaven into a great celebration, because God loves you that much. Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, if that's you, uh, you're going to see up on the screen place where you can text uh, for, you know, uh, salvation, for rededication, and we're going to be able to follow up with you. we got some great follow-up. We'll have one of our pastors check in with you. Uh, so yeah, if we can make sure that stays up there, that'll be awesome. Um, all right, so as we wrap up the message here today, some things to take away. First of all, can we do a mouth inventory? We went through these three truths. Are there any areas that God put his finger on that we have to take a look at? Uh, Lord, I got to go back and I really have to get with you on this prayerfully. Also want to bring you back to Luke 625. Uh, that was the verse we looked at in a couple of different translations out of the abundance of the mouth, uh, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Uh, so that's a great verse to memorize and to, and to carry with us uh, through this season of time. And then the last thing is how many will take the summer mouth challenge? 
Now, before you respond, and I'm going to invite you to respond by standing up with me. Uh, before you respond, I want you to be thinking, how am I going to not forget about this tomorrow? How am I going to have this something that lasts through the summer? So uh, I, I asked that in first service and somebody just waved their notes at me like, hey, I'm going to keep these notes where I see them. You know, for some, it might be by the remote, some it might be by the mirror, some it might be by the fridge, wherever it is where you go a lot, where you just are reminding yourselves, I'm doing the mouth challenge, I'm doing the mouth challenge. I actually looked for mouth stickers because I thought, we'll give everybody a sticker to place in their favorite spot. I couldn't find like, it, yeah, I, we, we looked hard for mouth stickers. We couldn't find them. But anyway, so I'm going to just trust, I think the greatest way, uh, and I tell you what, I'm, I'm going to go first. So what, third week of September is, is, is where we get into fall. So during this summer mouth challenge, if you hear my mouth not being where it needs to be, I just totally release you to say, hey, Jim, mouth challenge. Now, some of you I see more than others. Some of you are saying, oh, get ready, bud. Get ready. I'm watching, you know. But I, I, would, I would encourage you, invite accountability. You know, maybe you find that your mouth goes toward, hey, you know, the, it, it, these are hard times. Ha, have we let ourselves become cynical? You know, have we become critical? Are, are the words that come out of our mouth, what's the environment that we're creating in our own head, in our homes, when we interact in the workplace, when we're just out coming and going in life? You know, what are the areas where you could say, you know what, I, I could get more accountable and here's how I'm going to do it. So, so I want to pray for us. Now, I just want you to know, do not feel a pressure to stand up. If, if you're saying, the best of my knowledge, things are good, or I don't want to stand up yet because I really want to think about this. It's all good, no judgment. But I do want to pray for those who are saying, I'm taking this challenge, and for the remainder of this summer, you know, I, I, I just get this like really comical picture of a bunch of people that normally are chatterboxes just staring around going... <laughs> you know, kind of a thing. But wouldn't that be so great that we get to the point where truly we're speaking life, you know, and, you know, some of us, I, I like to talk, right? So, you know, I'm realizing when I speak less, my words will have more weight as well, right? So there's all different facets. So let's close now in prayer. If you want to take that challenge, just stand with me so I can pray with you. Taking that, that summer mouth challenge. Whether it's our self-talk, whether it's with those around us and and, and we're, uh, we're thinking through how we're going to hold our feet to the fire so that through the rest of July, through the month of August, into September, we are keeping this posture with the Lord of search me and know my thoughts and, 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 and paying attention to our words and what's coming out of our mouths. Amen. That's awesome. Wow. That's awesome. Lord, around this room, I'm sure watching online, we are saying that we want to be grown up in Christ. We want to be complete in Christ, mature. Lord, we do recognize we are sober this morning to the power of our words, to bring life, to bring death, to be in agreement with you and, and, and fostering a life of faith or to be in double-mindedness and, and, and making a mess of things. Father, we say first and foremost, forgive us for everything that has been 
idle talk, that has been unwholesome communication, that's been negative or counter to your heart, your way, your word, your will, your precepts. Father, we do repent. We pray crop failure on every word that we have sown that is counter to your will and your life. And we say here today around this room, Holy Spirit, we humble our hearts. We submit to you. We recognize what you said in your word. There's no person who can tame the tongue. No mere mortal that can do it. But led of the Spirit as a new person in Christ, led by you, Holy Spirit, we can have a bridled mouth. So we ask you to come and move speak to us, reveal to us. Holy Spirit, take what's in the blind spots and move it into a, a, where we can see it. Take what we have been oblivious of and make it clear. Lord, take what we have been justifying and explaining away and help us not do that anymore. And Lord, we pray through the remainder of the summer that we would uh, by leaps and bounds grow in our walk with you as our mouths reflect who you are. So God, we commit ourselves to that. We receive it by faith. We give you praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.